I'm telling you, snacks always get me to where I need to be. Ain't <laughs> that the darn truth? Yes. That is the darn oh, truth. I love snacks. I do love a good snack. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just hungry. Welcome back, everybody. I apologize a little bit for my voice. I am battling a summer cold, and I hate summer colds. Um, but welcome back. I'm your host, Natalia. I'm here today with dear friend Shanice Williams. Um, today, we're going to be talking about what it's like to go through a very rough patch um, in the workspace, especially as a grad student um, getting fired. Uh, what does it look like to be a Black woman? Um, as last time I checked, we are both of a darker pigmentation in the workplace. And yeah, and I'm really excited to talk about this. This probably definitely won't be the last time that we talk about a topic like this. Um, but I'm really glad that we get to start off with Shanice because I know she has awesome perspectives. So lady, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Shanice Williams. I'm going into my second year as an MPA here at George Washington University. Um, I focus on urban policy, so I've been finding myself in the nonprofit sector, um, working in like housing agencies and things of that nature. I'm originally from Philadelphia, so I've also been adjusting to the D.C. culture um, academically and professionally, and that has all been such a big learning experience. So, yeah, I'm ready to shed some light on my experiences. Also, she will probably mention that. She's from Philadelphia. (laughs) That is true. At least a thousand times. Um, That was the first thing I learned about Shanice. So we actually met because we did um, a women's leadership fellowship program through our grad program because we're in the same grad program. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I love doing it. We got to meet like some really awesome, like badass women that are kicking butt and taking names. and that's kind of how we met. And so you're going to be the co-chair yes. for the next cohort that's coming in, the incoming yep. class, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. I feel like it's a great way for me to take my experiences and help other people and really bridge some gaps. I feel really excited to, you know, just meet new faces on campus. And it helped me out being in that program. So I just want to help out others the best way that I can. So. So tell me about, so what you shared in WLF at one point was um, about getting fired. Mm-hmm. And I really want to talk to you more about that because I don't feel like we, it got its due right. beforehand. So start telling me a little about that story. Okay, sure. So it all started, um, I was working previously at a housing counseling agency in Germantown, Maryland. Um wasn't working out for me, and I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but I felt there were some issues, like inclusion issues, um, issues with different um, cultural experiences, but that's besides the point. I decided to leave that job because it was a very long commute. I didn't feel like my work was appreciated or that 
there was anywhere for me to go in the agency. So I put in my two weeks, started applying. I saw one position opening. Mm. It was an executive assistant position. I was an executive assistant before, and that experience was a bit little wishy-washy, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Um, but I say, you know what? I need the money. This is like right in my field. I'm familiar with this agency. Let me just go for it. So I went in for the interview. It went all great. Um, they really stressed on the importance of how they value their employees and look mm-hmm. for like promotional opportunities to move within the agency. One of the people that interviewed me was a former executive assistant and oh, okay. she got promoted. So I was like, oh, this is great. This mm-hmm. is looks like it's forward moving. It looks like a great culture and office environment. So that's how they get you. Yes, that is true. I've learned that the hard way. And also it was literally like a week after I left my other job. Yeah. And I had my mentors, um, one woman from Philadelphia. <laughs> um, she worked. I just want to list count. <laughs> Sir, of how many times you mentioned village. I'm I'm totally okay with it though. Yeah, I, that's where like all of my roots are. <laughs> but um so she's from there. She worked at the Philadelphia Department of Housing and Urban Development. So she was my mentor. She took me underneath her wing when I was a Vista. And she said to me, Shanice, are you sure about this job? You don't want to pigeonhole yourself in these administrative Mm -hmm. um, jobs. And I was like, oh, well, they said it's promotional opportunities and it's in my field and I can do this and I can do that. She was like, all right, well, if that's what you want. And then another advisor said to me, oh, Shanice, I saw the position description. Is this something you want to do? It's really like administrative. I was like, yeah, I was just... Because I already got the job offer. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I just want the check and blah, blah, blah. And I can make it work. I start. <laughs> On my first day, I will never forget the um, former executive assistant, Nalda. She was some kind of associate. Uh-huh. And uh, what happened was she showed me a list, you know, being an executive assistant of all, like, the CEOs, like, um, relatives' names, like, yeah. account numbers, all that mm-hmm. other stuff. And then I see something on a paper that says she prefers tuna on rye. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what that's about. And then I found out that I had to, one of my job duties was getting her lunch from downstairs in the cafe. And it was a tuna sandwich on rye. And honestly, it was like my second day. And even my um, boyfriend, Tony, said to me, oh, Shanice, maybe you should have like, t- taken a break. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then uh, on my third day of getting her sandwiches, I was just about done. I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not an intern. Like, I'm That's in grad school. Sandwiches. sandwiches is when you were like, listen. Yeah, and I just felt, I don't know, it was work that made me feel, like, small because of mm-hmm. how she came off. Like, she wasn't a warm ceo she wasn't friendly she was really cold like her whole like aura was just cold and very mean i will never mm-hmm. forget one comment she made since we were working it this housing this particular house nonprofit worked in disaster relief mm-hmm. so i will never forget one of the comments she made was oh we need another disaster to like get more funding for the agency and i was like okay and she was just very show Bodhi I never forget she called me to her office and said oh this is a dress I'm wearing to my son's wedding and it was this hideous $500 dress and I was like oh yeah it's great do you ever feel that though sometimes you be <laughs> seeing these things you're like you're really charging me that for this yeah like I could find something like that at Ross or Marshall's for like much less and mm. it looks better but 
Oh, anyway. That's for the different podcasts, fashion gurus. Oh. Podcast. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so that went on. Um, And then, again, I noticed she just, could you get my sandwich? And she would just, like, give me the money. And then I would give her a sandwich, like, thank you. And it was just so belittling. Like, yeah. I felt like she was just doing that just because she could. Yeah. And the thing that got me the most was it was after a staff meeting everyone all the senior staff were getting their sandwiches leaving the room she was the only one in the room and she says to me oh could you get me my sandwich like i didn't understand like everyone else was going down literally downstairs to the cafe and she still felt the need to just exercise her power that way so i just i just dealt with it and then you know it's three months i start i have a check-in with the former executive assistant who Mm -hmm. i've been like working with asking questions I was like, one of the things she would always say to me, oh, Shanice, please ask me any questions. I'm right here. I'm mm-hmm. here to help you, whatever. So I had a check-in with her saying, oh, how's my progress? Like, is everything good? You have any tips? Fine. And then that same day, um, there was a mishap with mailing. So one of the things, I'll never forget, she like piled a bunch of paperwork on my desk and mm-hmm. I would send out mailings here, mailings there. And then one day she asked me about one particular piece of mail that was for her son mm-hmm. and it was his taxes. And I'm like looking at my um, receipts and envelopes mm-hmm. I feel like rushed. I'm like, oh, it says I mailed it to this tax agency. She was like, she was like, oh, shit, this isn't good. This is bad. This is bad. And I was like, oh, well. and like pretty much she thought that I sent her son's taxes to her tax agency. And you know, the whole yeah. how messy that could get. So like the whole time she's like, shit oh f like just cursing and then she was like talking down to me saying could you do this like and she's like could you look for it could you call could you make for this being like hounding me in Mm. my ear with this nasty attitude and then later once people give me some space to check my steps i'm like oh i didn't mail it to the text agency i sent it to his address Mm -hmm. and she's like oh okay oh make sure you send this email then like she just touched you with me like the whole day and it came to a point where I looked over at the former executive assistant and then another staff member behind me was like, oh, I'm not going to get fired. Ha. Huh. Later down the line. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. And they were like, oh, no, Shanice, the former executive assistant. She says, oh, I did much worse. I mailed her son's keys in an envelope and some for like an apartment complex. Uh-huh. And someone stole all the keys oh my and so i shouldn't be penalized for this especially since nothing bad ended up happening mm-hmm. and we all saw that we figured out it was good and then they said the ceo is like really mean it's hard to work with her sometimes you all got scolded it's fine don't worry about mm-hmm. it so the very next day i remember asking is it normal for the ceo to yell at you and she's mm-hmm. like oh um it only happened a few times only when but i wasn't worried about and then one of the things i said was oh yeah i have a black mama that's nothing like Mm -hmm. you know like i'm not phased by this woman yelling at me i just wanted to know if it was a habitual thing for this particular supervisor to get so angry and like Mm -hmm. violent invading my space with her aggression so i just want to point out whenever you talk when you're trying to sound violent it's so cute (laughs) (laughs) Oh my it's so like I'm like this is Shanice such a nice person trying to be mean and I'm like it's- oh well I'm glad you think it's entertaining because <laughs> sometimes I'm like oh it won't sound weird but no, okay. no 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 it's totally fine it's just it makes me giggle because I know you're trying to convey a message and I'm like yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> okay so um, 
So after that, things got weird, Natalia. Things got really weird. Mm -hmm. So I'm pulled aside by the former executive assistant. She's like, oh, can I talk to you again? And I'm like, oh, sure. So we go for a walk. Now, you know, when people go for walks, it's like, oh, what's going to happen? So she starts talking to me about, oh, I want to make sure you're not asking too many questions. And I was like, wait a minute. Why aren't you the one who told me to ask you as many questions? And the work that I was doing, there was no way I could be creative about it because it was legit things like mailing, filing, sending out information. Very setting stone kind of. Exactly. And I wanted to make sure I was doing stuff correctly. And since people were always rushing, popping stuff on my desk, I'm like, okay, let me just ask this girl since she's Mm. right here. So I found out later that she actually did have a problem with that um, because that actually came up when I was getting fired. So she had this talk with me and then I began saying, well, yes, um, in my former executive assistant role, I was doing presentations. I was doing education outreach, X, Y, and Z. Mm. And I felt like when I started being confident about my work experience and as well as mentioning I was a graduate student, Mm -hmm. that's when the vibe changed a little bit. Mm Because I'll give you some background about this former executive assistant. First, her daddy got her that job. That's (laughs) step one right there. Number two, her daddy donates to the agency. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there is some entitlement there that's very undeserved because she just Uh got that handed to her and her dad and his position of having money can donate to the agency so of course there's Mm -hmm. going to be favoritism with her there was even one time where the ceo went up to her desk and was like oh your wallet is tattered i'll give you one of mine and she comes in the next day with four different wallets and guess one of them had money in it and then the former executive assistant did give it back. She said, oh, I think it was probably a test. Oh, I'll give it back. So let's just show some background, just some very quick background. So that happened. We had this talk, and it was very weird. Um, I'm not a morning person. That was really off-putting. Um, but I said, oh, yeah, I got you. Great. And I remember one of the things she said was, oh, yeah, you have to do this stuff first before you can do other stuff. because." Another employee there mm-hmm. did pull me into another task. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I did forget to mention that on the same day that mishap happened, I did talk to the CEO and she said I was doing fine. Mm-hmm. Everything was going well and that I could take on other activities. And then I did go ask another staff member who was more on the programming side that I was mm-hmm. available. And that's when the whole situation with the former executive assistant yeah. where she had to pull me aside and said, oh, you have to do this first where you can do other stuff so whatever so as the weeks go on um it was literally one week i was taking her advice i was being more creative not asking questions whatever Mm -hmm. and then um there was a time it was a monday in april i'm doing my regular stuff no issue my the ceo calls me and says shanice can i talk to you and uh she says I have, I'm sorry, I have bad news. I was like, oh, what? You know, because, you know, I don't really care for the CEO, but no one wants to hear, oh, I have bad, bad news. news. Yeah. And then she says, oh, I don't think it's going to work. And then I looked at her and she's like, yeah, um, I think I may have to let you go. It's me uh, because I was sick for the first few months, so I couldn't really see your work, but it's just not going to work out. It's just not a good fit. This is what that three-month period was for. And then I was like, oh, was it like a particular thing or was it a collection of things? She's like, it was just a collection of things. I'm going to stop right there. Because remember, 
Because <laughs> remember what I said earlier? Yeah. When I had to check in with her a week prior, she said, oh, everything's going fine. You can take my other tasks. Yeah. What happened in between me saying that and me getting fired? Um, the talk with the former executive assistant. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there was some whispering, some gossiping going on. Maybe the girl felt, my theory is that she felt threatened by me. She, not to say no kind of way, but when you're a black woman in a graduate program with work experience and you're inquiring about other tasks and you're determined to show your work ethic, that's when people start getting funny. It's like, oh, well, who does she think she is? That's mm-hmm. what I think. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then the um, CEO, when I was getting fired, she says, oh, yeah, I know you were asking her a lot of questions, her being a former executive yeah. assistant. And, yeah, the learning curve is just too steep. I don't think it's going to work. I'm so sorry. I think you're such a nice person. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I said, okay, that's fine. And then she handed me the check. So she was thinking about this. She had it prepped yeah, and ready. Yeah, so she had it ready to go. Yeah, she wanted to get me out of there. And then, so I, I remember texting the former executive assistant and being like, oh, she just let me go. And then her first response was, oh, I had no idea. And I'm so sorry. So I honestly think that girl had something to do with it. I already thought that the CEO just didn't like me and was mm-hmm. probably more critical of me. Because, I, yes, I will throw in a race card because was, she was used to two years of the former executive assistant, this little, no, let me rephrase it, this young white woman that she probably identified with and probably saw, oh, she's just like me. She can work hard and get here. Mm-hmm. And then seeing me coming in new, I have a whole different personality than yeah. the former executive assistant. I'm more introverted. I'm more just straight. Okay, this is my work. Let me get it done. I'm not really a social butterfly. I know it's in a DC culture to kind of brown news. I don't really brown news. Yeah. So, yeah, and I know my worth. So, my facial expression, my tone. I know my worth. I like <laughs> Exactly. I'm not going to sit here and get sandwiches and then be okay and brown nose you. I'm a graduate student. I didn't come down here and get myself further in student debt to get people tuna sandwiches. I understand paying your dues, but I'm in grad school now. And I thought it was just, you saw my resume. You saw what I could offer to the mm-hmm. agency where people lack the expertise. I don't think anyone but the senior management had advanced degrees that were like directly related to the mm-hmm. field so whatever so yeah it just was interesting and then that whole day I, I it was an interesting feeling because honestly I was complaining about getting the tuna sandwiches I was dreading going to work because of that CEO and it kind of felt like a relief to be honest mm-hmm. um it was a little <laughs> I will admit, I felt a little salty when I was like trying to go back to my desk and like quietly take off my Eagle Super Bowl post without anyone. <laughs> oh my gosh, seat. because you're from Philadelphia yeah. and you know you have that Eagle. Oh my lord! I had to take down all of my like cubicle decor quietly so no one see. Oh, what's going on? So yeah. that was kind of embarrassing. But then when I talked to the operating chief operating officer, yeah. who was a black woman. It was something unspoken that went on there, I feel. Just, yeah. I feel like it wasn't said, but it was, the vibe was there. Like, I was just talking to her, and she said, oh, you'll be fine. Um, You're in grad school? Oh, you're fine. You were doing full-time work in grad school? Oh, wow, that's a lot. Basically, she was um reassuring me. She didn't make me feel bad. She didn't 
make me feel embarrassed. Because I even brought that up. I was like, oh, what if people like say, oh, she didn't make the cut. And one of the things she said was, oh, don't think of it that way. I mean, it happens. It's the workplace. Um, I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure you'll find something. So after talking with her, honestly, I felt I felt better. I felt more at peace. And then I even talked to the office coordinator, like the front desk girl. She was young. Um, she was a Latino. So maybe she could identify with some mm-hmm. issues that us people of color face with that kind of, you know, those kind of situations. Yeah. And she said, yeah, she is a bit difficult to work with. Like in that like quiet, yeah. like didn't want to say too much, but didn't want to like say too little to mm-hmm. like help you know, empathize with what I was going through because it was so sudden because, yeah. like, everyone um, did appear to like me. <clears throat> I was getting mm-hmm. to know people, and it was fine. So, and I will never forget, there was another intern there who was a friend, was the son of the CEO's friend. Mm-hmm. So I saw him go from intern to a paid position. I'm thinking, oh. oh. That's a, and you were only there for three months. Yep, and I was like, oh, so hmm, I wonder if I'm making space for someone else. So I even went up, to, went up to him and was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm sure there are going to be some things left over for you to do that I was doing. So, yeah, good luck. A position's open. Yeah. That's what I said to him. I remember seeing a former executive assistant, like, looking, like, but she did, like, give me a hug and say, oh, I'm sure you're going to kick it in, like, grad school and in mm-hmm. life. And I don't know. I just feel like she had, she played a role. Or maybe she was trying to help me when she pulled me inside for that talk. but. How else would the CEO know that I was asking her those questions? Mm-hmm. So I just like there was a lot of shady stuff going on. And then there was, I'm sorry, am I talking too much? No. Okay. <laughs> and then um, after leaving that day, and I was like, oh, should I send emails to like all the staff? And blah, yeah. blah, blah. I sent some to a few, like the people that I've gotten to know, yeah. and, you know, help me out. And then another black woman there I felt was in my corner. I went into her office and said, oh, yeah, I'm. This is my last day. Yeah, she's yeah. like, what? And then, like, she was so shocked. She's like, oh, okay. And, like, she said, send me your resume. Here's my card. Like, I can circulate your resume. Yes. Whatever. Yes. Ladies, ladies. Thank is what you. It's about. Exactly. Yes. That, and that made me feel good. I was like, you know what? This isn't too bad. Cause at least I feel like I've had people who were, like, you know, mm-hmm. supporting me and, like, empathizing with me. So, mm, I'm leaving with all my eagles my eagles travel mug my poster just feeling kind of salty but then i felt empowered too i felt like i just witnessed someone trying to like steal my confidence and like Mm -hmm. try to steal my validation and confidence in myself but at that same time i never felt so motivated like Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna sit here and let this woman just make me feel like i'm inadequate like i know my my work history i'm in this grad program. I know all of my former, like anytime I ask for a reference, so many of my previous supervisors are like, oh, sure. And they always say great things from jobs to even my application to GW. So I had to reflect on that because it was like, it stung when they mm-hmm. happened. you know, you never could like see yourself getting fired. But I was sitting in that chair. I felt so like small, like this woman just had the power to like dictate the way my future would go and mm-hmm. I was thinking oh how bad will this look um how am I incompetent but then um I got into an uber ride which I was not expecting <laughs> he was like oh I'm because I was on my way to class yeah. after I got fired <laughs> you know the normal thing to do go from yep. one bad thing to another <laughs> exactly so 
on the Uber driver, he said, oh, yeah, I'm a, like, motivational speaker. I was like, oh, well, yeah, I just got fired today. And so blame one on me. <laughs> exactly. And he was like, oh, well, you know, sometimes it's just the staff and they fire you, but then they have a high turnover rate because they can't train other employees. They can't mm-hmm. invest in employees. And then he said, sometimes they just do that to, like, increase funding availability that they have, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember walking away from that conversation feeling even better because it's like, you know what? They did do me a favor. I didn't like it there. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it in tuna sandwiches. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, you know, it's different for everyone, but I do, like, believe certain things. I have, like, a faith within myself and the things that I believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And even though at the time that, when it happens, it feels really bad. Um, you wonder why it happened. Why now? You know, you wonder those things. But then I feel like there's always like a positive outcome from that bad situation. It literally happens for a reason. I feel like that was a way to like align me with better opportunities mm-hmm. to help me really focus on, you know what? What do I want to do? Yeah. What really, what capacity do I want to work in? And that was that moment where I really had to like, think and evaluate all of my work and like Mm -hmm. how to make my resume look better make my work actually count because I felt like since I like came down here for grad school I just been accepting jobs Mm -hmm. for the check and even if it like related a little bit to what I wanted to do it's like I'm just going to do it and make it work but um after getting fired I realized you know what I actually have to take some time off to invest in like myself and what actually will make me happy at work and not just accept the job just because I was offered one. Um, so it was an eye-opening experience. I remember going into class and telling, telling everyone, yeah, she fired me because I would go into class with four because it was a very yeah. small class. And they said, oh, what, that lady made you do that? And then when I told them that she fired me, they were like, well, you seem happy like she did you a favor. And I was like, you know, at the end of the day, she did because I did feel like quitting, but I'm not a quitter. Um, I always want to align myself up with better opportunities. And I feel like that was just life's way of showing me, you know what? This isn't working for you. You need to align yourself elsewhere. And from that um, experience, I always had a long talk with my dad, who, you know, is in my corner. I always talk to my dad when Mm -hmm. something odd happens because he's so wise and my dad's my best friend. And he told me the same thing as you just know your worth. Don't let anyone make you feel bad about yourself, especially being a black woman coming to D.C. It's real out here, though. It is. Ain't that the truth? It is. Like how people perceive you and how you are as a person, like when those things clash, when you, I feel like when you don't fulfill stereotypes, mm-hmm. you just don't know what to do. They just go haywire and just can't function. And then they try to take one little small thing you do and mm-hmm. like take that and just generalize everything about who you are as a person and that's what I felt I feel like like I I'm sure you got this talk because every every black kid got this talk at Mm -hmm. some point um about how you have to be better than the best because when you're better than the best that's that's when they're going to see you as average exactly like we have all had that talk I remember I remember that talk with my dad like Mm -hmm. in the car one time like we all get that talk and I think that's something that that we as black people we as women of color Mm -hmm. um and 
I, I'm not sure, like, I don't want to speak for like other communities of color, but I, I have yet to meet a black person that has not had that talk with their parents. That is the realest talk. Everybody has had that talk and, Mm -hmm. and it's so difficult. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you felt this need to kind of take the job because you're like, I have bills to pay. That's not what I'm passionate about. But like, I feel like that's a very intrinsic in our culture a lot mm-hmm. of the time not yeah. saying that other cultures don't do that right. um but i feel like the spaces that we want to be in there's such a lack of women of color mm-hmm. um and it's because it's these unpaid spaces these unpaid internships these spaces that we don't have access to and i'm like how do i get access to these spaces you know, what am I exactly. sacrificing? Exactly. And it's hard because I, I came here to DC like you. I was working two retail jobs that I had liked before, but now I was in grad school and I was like, I need to do something. I can't. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I feel like I took that risk mm-hmm. that like things started to pay off and started to benefit me. But I did feel this pressure as like a black woman to have a job to pay my bills right you know what i mean like you couldn't Mm -hmm. you couldn't just you couldn't just like oh i'm gonna go on a whim because what do you mean you're gonna go on a whim whim doesn't pay the bills whim whim doesn't set you up Mm -hmm. um and and i feel like we're in a unique position as many people are Mm -hmm. um but this is something i noticed for women of color like we just have to 10 times just prove ourselves i agree with that and that's why I felt that I was trying to do. I said, okay, I need to start somewhere in this mm-hmm. agency. It's fine that I start here, but I'm dedicated. This is like my field of interest. But come to find out that me asserting myself and like trying to prove myself mm-hmm. by like talking with people and asking for other work, that kind of was a part of the reasoning why people had to pull me aside and say, oh, maybe you're asking too many mm-hmm. questions. And then when I'm getting fired, I hear this same thing again about an issue with me asking people questions. So it's like, what do, was I expected to do? Was I expected to just stay in that role? And I made it clear. I even said it to the former executive assistant when we had our one-on-one. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't, I'll, I'm not going to be an executive assistant with a um, master's degree. Yeah. I did say that to her. And I don't know, maybe me being too confident was an issue because when I said it, she was like, oh, yeah, yes, we know that. Absolutely. That's why mm-hmm. we are like here to like help set you up and blah, blah, blah. So, oh, and another important thing that I forgot to mention was that when I was leaving after mm-hmm. getting fired, um, I was walking out the door since the CEO had her door closed the whole time after she did decide to fire me. She had her door closed. I walked past her office because she was on the phone and I waved. Mm-hmm. I waved goodbye. And what she does shocked me till this day. She felt the need to blow kisses at me and wave as I was leaving. I know there's a look of shock on my face, but I remember you telling me this and you were telling like our whole group this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we all have the same like kind of jaw drop. This is some foolishness type of look because that is that's so different. Like what? You're not a child. You're not like a baby that she's trying to placate. Exactly. Exactly. But it, when I saw that happen, I kind of like I, I felt that I was like waving like, ah, and then like as soon as I like 
walked out of her field of vision, like my face just like went like stones. Mm -hmm. And I know that I have a tendency to have the cool, like resting bitch face. Mm -hmm. So like after she did that, I was just like, really? And like my face just, I felt just went straight, like flat face, yeah. stony. And I feel like maybe she caught a glimpse of it. Cause I remember when I like, out of my peripheral vision, I saw that stern look she usually gives me, like that mm -hmm. stern judgy look. Mm -hmm. as i was walking away and I she's was the like, woman who blew her kisses yeah it was so odd just experiencing that and experiencing the, a supervisor like yell at me that in itself was new like mm -hmm. having someone yell at me, like of course i'm not the perfect employee of course i've made mistakes or discrepancies in the past like anyone else has but i feel like it didn't warrant that and even mm -hmm. if that's like how she is i feel like her cursing at me and her like belittling me and coming into my space and talking down to me. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced that before. And that in itself was enough. I felt to make anyone like probably cry or run yeah. away or doubt themselves. But I took that. I was like, okay, fine. I'll take it. Yeah. I sent it to the wrong address, but I'll take it fine. Whatever. And then, um, getting fired i was like oh is there anything i found myself saying this thing is there anything i could have done or is there a way i could prove and i was like oh wait no that's what the 90 days were for because yeah. i wasn't going to sit here and make it appear like i was groveling for a job where i was getting people tuna sandwiches yeah that just wasn't <laughs> happening so like you know what sure it's she said, oh, you're such a nice person. I just said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Can I, like, finish up my work and then I'll leave? Do I have to leave now? She's like, oh, no, no, you can finish up your work. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just walked out. And just seeing how, like, those dynamics are in the workplace, I've never felt that I could get close to her. Mm -hmm. um, I never felt that she was approachable. I saw how she interacted with the former executive assistant. I said, oh, maybe by, like, month nine she'll start yeah. acting that way towards me so yeah, it was an experience and just paralleling like when i was an executive assistant in philadelphia at the fair housing <laughs> rights center <laughs> uh, oh wait let me not say that rewind when i was an executive i mean him say that i mean oh, you're not speaking back yeah i was an ex former executive assistant at the fair housing rights agency in philadelphia and the ceo was a black woman and my experience there I never thought that I would get to that level, like with a, someone so high up in a position Yeah, where we were like, I felt like she would educate me. I learned so much about mm -hmm. her, um, not just in like the professional setting, but she shed so much light on issues in the workplace and like society, like in the fair housing rights sector. It was such a rare rare experience and i'm glad that i did have that because again seeing a black woman in a high position and getting close to her and seeing that i could like talk to her actually like talk to her yeah about things it was and also too she gave me so much room to um take on projects and take initiative and speak and engage and work with people and it was an empowering experience and i felt like that's where i learned where my passion lies mm -hmm. in housing. I learned my abilities. I did presentations. You know, as a soft-spoken person that she saw me as, and a lot of people saw, um, see me as, it was nice to get the opportunity to do presentations, to create my own PowerPoints, to really reach people yeah. in the city. And then just coming into this other executive assistant position was 
complete opposite. I would feel like an errand girl. Like I wasn't valued and I was just mm-hmm. seen as like, oh, get my tuna sandwiches. And do you feel like, was that expressed to you in your interview? What did they make it seem like you were going to be doing more than say like a basic secretarial kind of job? Did they make it seem like you were going to be doing the presentations and meeting with different people? And they, the message that I got from them was that, oh, we do a lot of promotions here. Um, we, a lot of people in our agency, like this is a learn as you go. You can work with programs, you can work with development, you can work with this. It's like a great learning experience. That mm-hmm. was the impression that I had. Oh, so you'd be able to hop around to different departments. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't be able to learn more and and even in the stuff that you really wanted to do. Yes. And apparently I couldn't do that until I don't know, I sent out a thousand pieces of mail because I didn't quite understand what the person meant when he told me, Oh, well you gotta do this stuff first before you can do other stuff. Yeah. I I can't do both. Isn't that what you did in this role? You took on like multiple projects. Why isn't an issue when I do it? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like my general, um, first I have two things. I have like my general pers- perspective on that. Mm-hmm. And then how I navigated that as a graduate student, like yeah. outside of color, outside of male, female, just like how to mm-hmm. navigate that space. So my general um, perception of that situation was that I honestly felt that I was taken away from that position because I was a black woman mm-hmm. exercising my voice, being confident, asserting mm-hmm. myself, and I guess asking too many questions. And I feel like because my personality isn't typical of what people think of a black woman, like I know it's other Black women agency were like super bubbly and like super chipper, like, oh, hey guys, um, mm-hmm. did you get your kale? Did you just like, did you get just your like integrating oh themselves mm-hmm. into what makes, you know, not saying that people are racist, but integrating themselves into what is safe and comfortable yeah. for people who aren't of like, aren't of color. Mm-hmm. So I f- felt that I was a little different. I was more to myself. I was more, um, I guess more serious because mm-hmm. I'm not a super bubbly chipper person. I like to just do my work, get it done right, and go home. Mm-hmm. I'm not about like getting in all of people's cubicles saying, "Oh yeah, how was your weekend? Um, I went here, I went there." Like mm-hmm. that's not really my thing. And I feel like because not to like generalize or judge those particular black women, but I just saw that some of the things that they said and did seemed a bit forced. That's all Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Um, And I feel like because I wasn't doing that, I was just being myself. Maybe that made people more uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or because I was confident that made people uncomfortable because I I guess I seemed entitled. But it was just odd to me that the former executive assistant made such a huge mistake um, in the past and she was given a chance. And And they got promoted. And she got promoted. And I feel like I wasn't given any chances. I was just let go at the first sign of, oh, well, she did this time to let her go. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like that's what happened with me without people, like, talking to me, without Mm -hmm. people being transparent. Like, you can't expect, if you had someone in a role for two years, you can't expect a new person. This is just common sense. You don't have to take, like, a nonprofit management class to understand this. This is just common sense. Someone was in a role for two years. You get someone new, they've been there for three months. You can't expect them to just pick right up and not ask questions. 
right away. It's only been three months and I'm already being, I was fired for basically asking questions or for there being a steep learning curve, which I thought was insulting to my intelligence because the only thing that I was doing in there, honestly, like was getting sandwiches, sending mail, sending email, doing meeting notes. That's in which I all done before minus the sandwich part. I was a Vista. I was intern before. These are stuff that are intuitive to me almost. And for someone to say in such a role as like executive assistant that the learning curve is too steep. I feel like the issue with her was that her comfortability was too steep for me to feel Mm -hmm. because I'm not like the former executive assistant. I'm not bubbly and all in your face. And I just remember um, how they would act towards her. Like they were afraid of her and like forced to be nice. Yeah. But towards the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel that. And I resonate with that. Mm -hmm. I am pretty, pretty upbeat most of the time and usually have a lot of sarcasm, but I think, I think it's true because like, sometimes I think my sarcasm is to my detriment, not, Mm -hmm. and not that I'm ever doing it in a, in a negative way, but I feel like there's, you know, there's either you have to be at one end of the spectrum or the other. Exactly. And so if you're too quiet, you're too quiet. If you're too bubbly, you're too, you have to hit that, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be one or the other. And someone who's in the middle, because, you know, mm-hmm. I want to get my work done, but I do want to create relationships with right. my coworkers. And because that doesn't necessarily look like how other people create a relationship doesn't mean that it's wrong. Exactly. And so getting to know you and how you even operated in um, our WLF program mm-hmm. You are, you were on the quieter side and it did take you a second to open up, but I don't think anyone was like the Shanice chick. We can't, we can't hang. Right. <laughs> and that's so interesting to me. And I, and I agree because I feel like three months, it is a substantial amount of time, but also at the same time, to be fair with your experience and your background, what is that learning curve? And I feel like this doesn't get talked enough about mm-hmm. in the sense of the way that women also women of color get pushed out of certain roles mm-hmm. and get told that it's going to be too difficult yeah. and i see that i think that's across the board with women in general but i can see also specific that hurting women black women in a per very profound way because mm-hmm. i've seen it and it's hard it's hard to know how you function in this space and what to say and what to do that may be a little bit different. I remember like so many simple things that I was just not used to growing up in a black household and going to college and, and then meeting like, not that I didn't have white friends, like I heard friends of other ethnicities. Mm -hmm. It was just very like, for example, there was hair in the shower. I don't get that. Like that, that to me was like a huge learning curve as like silly as minute as it sounds and I feel like we are called upon as Mm -hmm. women of color to adjust so much more and we do because we're like this is what I need to do to get ahead Mm -hmm. but when it comes to others adjusting to us it's apparently so difficult to do you know and I it sounds crazy but I thank god every day my parents gave me a white name of all things Mm -hmm. like my I love my name I love, love my name. Um, I'm named partially after my grandfather. Like, I love my name. But I think to myself, thank goodness it's pretty easy to pronounce. And it doesn't look, I guess, stereotypical black woman. And my last and my last name is Abraham's. Like, right. all of like these, that fits like into a box that people yeah. can 
understand. And when we are so much more complex than that box, and even for people who preach to be mm-hmm. progressive, you know, we all have our implicit biases. And I think, I think what I've noticed more since I came to DC is people not recognizing that. Right. There's this idea that because I say I'm progressive, because I'm, because I'm inclusive of others, that all of a sudden I don't have biases and I don't have these other issues that people deal with. And I noticed that within some of my friends, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm friends with the, it's like, Oh, I'm friends with you. Like this mentality of like, and I have these people for in my life and I love, and I was like, no, but like these other things that you're saying, you're not recognizing that place of privilege that you're coming from Mm -hmm. and you not being able to recognize that devalues me even if it's not something that directly affects me mm-hmm. does that make sense that's true i agree i, I agree yeah 100 and i think that can be said for um some of our work experience because i feel like like you said if you don't fit into a box um, along lines that people get uncomfortable and i felt that since i don't fit into a box i'm a quiet black woman you know what black women are stereotypically seen as yeah. like bubbly, loud, and super sassy, and all always in your face and boom, boom, pow. Mm-hmm. But like I'm more quiet, and I feel like because I'm a quiet black woman, that makes me seen as more unapproachable, mm-hmm. less friendly. Like, oh, she's probably this, she's probably that, and I feel like maybe that also factored into it. And I remember getting interviewed. Um, and I, for that position, I had um, braid extensions in my yeah. hair. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what if I don't get this job because my hair is like this? Mm-hmm. And then um, because at my former job that I left before coming there, when I didn't wear my hair straightened and I just did the natural curl. Yeah. One of the women who was from Latin America, um, from Bolivia, she comes into the office that I was sitting in and says, oh, did you wash your hair? And I just thought it was a little bit unsettling and uncalled for for her to make that comment. Like the one day I'm like wearing my natural curl pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, that just goes to show that um, people come in with these perceptions. And like you said, it's hard for them to adjust to me and how I am and how my hair is. But if I come into their office, they're speaking their native language. I have to be comfortable with that. Yeah. But I'm coming in with my regular hair. Why do you have to comment on mm-hmm. it? Like if they were speaking their language and I say, oh, what are you saying? That sounds like gibberish. Wouldn't that be offensive? That'd be so offensive. I would look at you some type of way. Exactly. Like some things she just don't have to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I like your hair. You didn't have to say, oh, did you wash it today? Yeah. That's like a very different <laughs> connotation. Kind of like different. underhanded. Yeah. Because it's totally different if you come in and they're like, oh, I like your hair because they've never seen your natural right. hair. I have the opposite. I like get so worried. Like if people see me with braids in mm-hmm. and then it's going to be such a shock when I don't have them in. Mm-hmm. And I worry about the perception of going into work, even though mm-hmm. I know I work in like these very inclusive places. Exactly. It's still like a shock exactly. to people, you know, and I've had people ask me. Not since moving here, but I've in the past I've had people ask me like, "Oh, like can you shower?" With your that was oh, literally a question, and wow. I was like, "Well, you think I just walk around dirty for weeks at a time?" Like, and it's <laughs> and I don't know if it's like, "Oh, you you think I'm coming off?" Uh, like, I don't know what that would even imply. Like, if it's 
I don't even know. It's just, it baffled my mind. And I had to like walk away. I was like, this is wild. I'm just a girl trying to do my job. Like it's, it's these underhanded things that I feel like, I don't know, society is kind of catching on to now, like microaggressions. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because it's this idea that, you know, we've all become a little too sensitive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, but if you talk to like any black people, you're almost like, I don't, once again, don't want to speak for every person of color. But a lot of people of color, it's like, dude, these things have been happening for a very long time. Yes, for years. You're just surprised now because someone brought it to your attention. But we've been known about these issues in Mm -hmm. the workplace. I've been, I remember being in high school Mm -hmm. and um, my English teacher told me that um, I want to go to honors English for the next year. And and you have to get, you know, your teacher recommendation that you also have to pass this like test. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, I want to go to honors English. And her response was, oh, I don't think you'll like it there. I feel like you'll feel better level one or two with your people. Wow. And I was like, who are my people? Because I passed the test. I got into honors English. I finished the year with an A. So that type of mentality and going back to what we said with that, that talk that every black parent has mm-hmm. had. We have that talk and mean like you have to be better than the best because that's when you're going to be seen as average. Exactly. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired, especially like in this workspace. Like I am tired of constantly having to prove myself Mm -hmm. and like show that I can make it because I, I feel like this weird intrinsic need to show like I can make it. Right. Don't worry. I can make it. Don't worry about me because, like, I'm going to do fine. I'm going to do what I have to do. And I feel like there's just – I mean, everybody has that pressure, but I feel like we as black women also have that extra pressure, especially because we live in this 2018 world where it's like women have more opportunities. We can go out and do whatever we want, but it's Mm -hmm. we are still at the same time at the bottom of the food chain kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do we – how do we combat that? Like, how do we deal with, like, race and how do we – make people feel comfortable because I feel like that's a thing I feel like I'm constantly having to make people feel exactly comfortable mm-hmm. you know yeah um I feel like based on my experience what I've learned is sometimes you have to just float um mm-hmm. and actually one of the career advisors at GW gave me this advice and just float because once you start well, what I was did, it, Denise? it was um, Gwen. Oh, she's lovely. Yeah. She is really lovely. I she's do enjoy really her. Sweetheart. Yeah. Because um, once you start asking the questions and doing this, that's when people notice you more. And that's when people mm-hmm. feel the need to like, find a way to criticize you. And also what you said, too, about being comfortable. Mm-hmm. I plan to get a protective style of hair braid extension yeah. in August. And I'm at a new internship now which I'll talk to later about, like, my tips on navigating getting fired. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, do I have to tell them that, like, joking? Like, I actually, like, was getting ready for work. and said, like, okay, so I'm going to go into work one day before I get my braids. And be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to um, try braids this weekend. And then see, like, what they say. Yeah. And see if they'll, like, be like, oh, what's that? Or like, oh, okay, that mm-hmm. sounds fun. Because I don't want to walk in and, like, someone's asking me another question. Like, oh, your hair is different. So... But isn't that crazy that you feel like you have to, before you go into the workspace, to like, mm-hmm. I've never done that, actually. Like, I, if I'm saying something, I'm usually like, oh, I'm just going to get my hair done. Just as like, oh, like, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, oh, I'm getting my hair done. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. Like, I've never placed it in a manner where it's like, 
just to warn everybody out there in the audience, I'm <laughs> going to be looking a little bit different tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so it's bananas that you have to do that. I wonder, I don't know, I wonder what it is about Black women asserting themselves in the workplace. That is so perplexing because I feel like, I know there's such an issue with women asserting themselves mm-hmm. in the workplace also. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is also a huge problem, which is like the whole point of our program. Right. We did our Women's Leadership Fellowship Program, like to have this confidence and create, carve our own space. But it's like, as a woman of color, it's just like such an extra level. And I hope that I can get to a space where I'm doing what I want to do and mentoring other women that are coming up, just like your first boss did. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about like that experience and what that was like for you? Sure. Um, being an executive assistant to a Black woman who was the CEO, that was my second real world job after I became an AmeriCorps Vista mm-hmm. um, back in Philadelphia. So that <laughs> that role, um, she saw my work as a Vista and yeah. she, I went to her for an informational interview because my Vista term is coming up. Um, my former Vista boss um, suggested that I um, go on info interviews, let people mm-hmm. know that I'm like about to, I'm available for work. And I went to her for an informational interview because I remember um, one of her presentations was about um, fair housing rights, um, housing issues in urban areas. And I really felt passionate about that. So I went to our informational interview and then out of that, um, she told me about the position they were looking for. Yeah. And she gave me an offer. And going into that, so my former um, boss, he told me to check in with her to see how, like, how the administrative role would be. Would it be more yeah. like hands-on or mm-hmm. more like secretary, assistant, blah, blah, blah. So I accepted the position. I learned right off the back that she, too, can- gave me high hopes, saying, like, oh, you can do this. and you can mm-hmm. get an office one day and actually like the way my work was going I could see myself moving there because I felt like she gave me opportunities mm-hmm. to like prove my work ethic mm-hmm. and she gave me um like ownership of projects and I feel like as an employee as someone who works in a nonprofit sector that when you give people um ownership mm-hmm. I feel like that's when the good products of work come out that's when people feel valued mm-hmm. that's when they're um work ethics increase and the quality increases because you feel appreciated and I feel like as millennials um as like a young woman um just graduated from college uh, two years before accepting that position I feel like it was a great opportunity for me to network and get to um know my strengths my weaknesses and it was such a great experience and it inspired me to pursue my an advanced degree so that I could um have more expertise in the field and be able to get to those higher positions. So that position in itself just gave me so many tools to really apply myself. And it did give me a reason to assert myself because as a, you know, she was a black CEO. And one of the things that she said to me was make sure that you assert yourself. That's what she did say to me. And I took it and ran with it. I the next two jobs I had in um, D.C., Maryland area, mm-hmm. I really tried to make it clear to my employers that I am of worth. Give me some work. Give me something to do. Because, you know, I'm in grad school. I want to show my um, quality and that I can contribute to the agency. And 
The funny thing is, when I put my two weeks in at the housing counseling agency, they did offer me another part-time position, but I declined it. And the reason why I declined it was um, it was more direct service. Mm. And I learned that I don't necessarily like direct service. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes person. Not saying that I don't see the quality and the need to work directly, but I feel like as a VISTA, I just put in my, paid my dues with direct service. Um, And I wanted to do something else. So I I did decline that position. But then sometimes I just look back and think, I wonder what would have happened if I... (laughs) Didn't deny that position, didn't end up at that place where I got fired. But so, yeah, I mean, I it's so incredible to make sure that you have representation. And I think I'm trying to think like, I feel like weirdly enough, my my first boyfriend, <laughs> mm-hmm. his mom um, was like a high up executive mm. um, in her company, which was really rad to see. Yeah. Um, and I remember another one of like my mom's a teacher and I remember one time he went to one of her uh students houses like her her mom had invited um his mom had invited us over for dinner and we had like tacos and so in she teaches in um in Connecticut and Farmington mm-hmm. and there's like it has another neighborhood in it mm-hmm. that's like a very fancy neighborhood and this is where this woman that this black woman lived mm-hmm. with her kids you know, single mom, like doing it like, wow. So it's like that representation is, I mean, I also had my mother who was just like an incredible black woman, Yeah. whether she believes it or not, mom, come on the show. I've been trying (laughs) to get you, but (laughs) listen, the woman won't respond to my messages. Anyway, neither here nor there, but, um, (laughs) having that representation, like I'm very grateful. I grew up with that. And so like, that Mm -hmm. is what pushes me. But at the same time, I know there's my parents like being like, we want you to settle and like Mm -hmm. be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And you know, all those things parents want for their kids, but it's, but it's hard because there's, there's still like this extra level of pressure. Absolutely. Um, So there's always one question that we like to ask all our guests. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think defines a woman or womanhood? Hmm, That is a pretty broad and intense question so I honestly feel that there shouldn't be just one clean cut definition Mm -hmm. I feel like it's whatever an individual woman defines herself as I don't think that we should just take oh what's womanhood or what's manhood it's it's based on an individual level I feel because everyone's experiences are different Mm -hmm. um where we live in a society where what color you are what neighborhood you grew up in determines so much about you Mm -hmm. and creates so many different experiences that I feel like it's just based on what the woman defines herself as. And I feel like once we stop um, trying to label each other and put each other in boxes that woman issues and being a woman in the workplace in the academic setting, all those issues, even amongst ourselves, Mm -hmm. because we know that there are issues with Women being differences in ethnicities, economic, even within those ethnicities, exactly, exactly. That whole light skin, dark skin debate. Oh, yeah, colorism is alive and well in 2018, (laughs) and it's pretty sad. But I feel like it's based on the individual level, not like the broad level. Mm -hmm. And it's up to the person to define who they are, and not me. I can't base my experience on defining everyone else, so Mm -hmm. 
That's my answer. <laughs> that was a really good answer. I love getting Thank all you. these answers. <laughs> all right, guys. So we will be right back. We're going to take a super, super short break. All right. Hey, party people. We are back. Um, and we are back with our segment. Okay, you get five minutes. Um, but because this episode is a little bit different, we're going to do a little bit, t- a little bit of a different take on. Okay, you get five minutes. Usually, we are talking to our male friends and coworkers, um, but this time around, we're going to be talking to our white friends who, or our other friends of color, or our friends that consider themselves progressive but um, still have those implicit biases. So, Shanice, start us off. Sure. So just to touch on what you said about having progressive friends who still make comments or have biases that affect you or people within your racial background. Um, I've also experienced that. I feel like in our society, since people are so sensitive, like calling yourself progressive or liberal is kind of like a shield to any yeah. of like being criticized like, oh, that's racist or oh, that's prejudice. Because people sometimes, some people sometimes think that because they read something or watch something or um, have a certain group of friends that are black or another um, group of people of color, mm-hmm. that they, that kind of just makes them neutral on things. Yeah. But I feel like we have to, one of the things we have to understand and admit is that those biases are real and that they do affect the way you interact with people and kind of putting up a shield and but uh, kind of putting up a shield with like being progressive or liberal is um not productive and can actually do more harm than good Mm -hmm. because you're not acknowledging what's there i think that people in our society especially millennials tend to forget that this country has been built on racist policies on um, black people weren't put into the constitution until things were amended like the constitution mm-hmm. wasn't made for a certain groups of color yeah so i feel like we have to acknowledge that yes we have made some progress but a lot of policies that have been implemented have had disparate impact on communities of color mm-hmm. which is why we have these results today and to take away the victim blaming um, will help to get rid of those biases because, like, once you realize that these people aren't that much different than me, except of where they grew up, and this could be a reason why mm-hmm. they are the way they are. You can't generalize people. You can't put a label on every black person you see because we're all so different. Mm-hmm. There's not just one way of being black. Just like you said, you can't be too quiet or too loud. Um, you're either too loud or too quiet and you can't be in the middle. But I feel like once we actually realize that and accept that, that will help to diminish a lot of the tension, the mm-hmm. unspoken tension that we feel. Even just recent experience with um, walking, sometimes when I walk into a restaurant and I'm the only black person. I start to feel self-conscious. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. are they looking at me? Because you know. Girl, then, <laughs> yes, yes, honey. Yeah. Yes. And then so walking much. in a store and having someone, like, follow you. Like, I'll never forget. I walk into a store. And as soon as I saw someone, like, come from behind the counter and follow yeah. me, I walked right out. Because I'm not giving you my money if you yeah. suspect me of stealing. So I might as well take my business elsewhere. The fact that those things still happen. <laughs> I mean, look at the news. Uh, you see black people still getting racially profiled, getting killed 
Still, and it's 2018, the same things that were happening during the civil rights era are still happening now. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have these preconceived freedoms or more opportunities, the fact that they're still happening, I feel it makes it much worse. So I feel like in a workplace, if you people take the time to look at the person on an individual level Mm -hmm. and not based on what they see in the reality show or on the news or what they heard their grandparents say or what they see in poverty stricken areas because newsflash, not all black people are from poverty stricken mm-hmm. neighborhoods. Um, just one quick example. Some of us have picket fences. Exactly. <laughs> just one quick example. I was at college at St. Jude's in Philadelphia. Very <laughs> um, upper class Catholic private institution first day of orientation i say oh yes i'm from philadelphia and then someone says oh i feel so bad for you and i feel maybe that's why i always like to throw that out there when i'm down in dc i'm from philadelphia and i'm Mm -hmm. proud of it i'm not from you know a poverty-stricken neighborhood both my parents were there i'm educated just like everyone else here Mm -hmm. in this program so let's just stop with generalizing people in that way with being stigma and all of those other things so just look at the individual person and i feel like that will just eliminate a lot of the tensions that people oh yeah i feel like i agree because i feel like i'm not mad at people having the biases i'm mad at the fact that they're pretending they don't exactly because i feel exactly. like if we're gonna pre- that's like denial if we're gonna pretend that that's like me being like my legs cut off but i don't feel pain kind of thing right. like you know we need to acknowledge these biases and acknowledge that just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening and i feel like that's something i notice and it's mm-hmm. it's hard to reconcile that at least for me it's hard to reconcile like i love these people but they don't realize like just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not affecting me or it isn't a real thing because I feel like a lot of people to your story about, you know, coming from behind the counter be like, Oh, maybe she just come behind the counter. I was like, no, but if you've grown up like this, mm-hmm. you know that the way that you know, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. We just know. Exactly. We know. And I feel like it's so hard to explain that feeling to someone who's never had to experience right. it. I feel like there's, I don't know about you, but whenever I walk into a place and there's like another person of color, we, we just, oh, that yeah. nod, you know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're like, girl, I see you, see me, see you. Yes. We're all like, like, if anything goes down, I know. Like, exactly. you know, like there's always exactly. that, that intrinsic, like I'm looking after you because mm-hmm. we all know that we're kind of just out here and we're, yeah, and absolutely. we don't have that many allies in a, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's hard to sometimes explain that to our quote-unquote progressive friends right what does and what does that really look like because like i know i have my own biases i'm not gonna lie we all do we all do Mm -hmm. and so i'm not gonna i'm gonna be mad at myself and tell you you shouldn't have these biases but i'm not gonna pretend i don't exactly because when i pretend i don't i'm not actually gonna move past these issues and i'm not gonna create real change within myself and within my six feet of influence Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is so so important exactly so thank you, Shanice, so much for thank joining you. me today. It was so much fun getting to talk to you. Um, so people out there listening, just letting you know this is a very tough topic. Um, we don't take it lightly. You want to hear perspectives from 
so many more ethnicities and backgrounds, especially when it comes to uh, the workplace and women, obviously. Um, but but yeah, these are our experiences, and I'm so glad I get to share that with Shanice. It's been great. Um, so make sure to listen, like, review, and subscribe, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, we'd like to thank you for listening to More Than a Pretty Face. This show was produced and written by Natalia and Grace. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. And you can find us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. If you would like to send any questions, comments, concerns, if you know anybody that would be on the show, or if you'd like to be on the show, or if you would like to sponsor our show, because we're trying to sell out real quick, please email us at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com. All right, you'll hear from us soon.